Hi everyone, I'm Gary Nall. Today we have an empowering hour ahead of us. You're going to learn how the benefits of the Mediterranean diet pass on to the families of patients who follow it. Hospital de Mar Medical Research Institute in Italy. Also today we're going to look at a study that talks about CBD oil reducing plaque, that's good, Improving cognition, that's even better, for Alzheimer's, Medical College of Georgia. Also today, we're going to take a look at vitamin D supporting bone marrow stem cell proliferation. This is from the Kanshu Central Hospital in China. And it simply means that the more vitamin D you have, the less opportunity for osteoporosis. So that's important. And from Flanders Institute of Biotechnology in Belgium, how a high-fat diet, that's the average American, the average European diet, can cause normal liver tissue to behave like tumor tissue. That's not good. And then for teens, outdoor recreation during the pandemic is linked to improved well-being, North Carolina State University. Those are some of the things on health and healing we're going to deal with today. Also, a special commentary from Glenn Greenwald. Criticizing public figures, including influential journalists, is not harassment or abuse. As a journalist for the New York Times uh, has been claiming, rare, if ever, is one of these journalists called out. They should be, and uh, but they're not. They're very entitled. So Glenn Greenwald called them out call this woman out, and uh, you'll see why. And yet these are the people, the very people, coming from entitled background, spoiled, frequently living in bubbles, cultural bubbles, ideological bubbles, who believe it's perfectly okay to say that if you do not agree with them, there's something terribly wrong with you and you should be shamed and canceled. So interesting that suddenly one of them is shown not to be telling the truth. So the New York Times, we're calling you out today. We could call you out for a lot of things, including causing the preventable death of and displacement of millions of Iraqis with Judith Miller's columns you supported and promoted as the public record. And uh, you were wrong. She was wrong. Bill O'Reilly is wrong about everything. Everybody was wrong who supported the war in Iraq. We were right, but unfortunately, uh, we are not the we are not the uh, paper of record. So, let's start challenging those in authority who have power and have, by all reasonable measure, abused it. It's time. Otherwise, the entire society that we live in is on the defensive constantly. They're being uh, they're being overwhelmed uh, with new laws that shouldn't be. Everything you could do wrong is being done wrong by every institution today. So one at a time, we're going to call them out, as we did with Pfizer yesterday. And we're adding some more stuff in on Pfizer today. You thought that all that they did in the past was bad? Yes, it was. But it's bad to the bone. And we'll show you how deep that goes today. 
Also, here's a question at the beginning of our program. Think on it, please. And then call us and share your reasoned impression. It's a question of a existential issue. Existential means we really don't have a whole lot uh, to have a plan B, and if we don't, it becomes a death sentence. For example, life itself is existential because there's a point to where we no longer have any options left. So dying is an existential threat. How we die, when we die, that's different. That we have control over if we realize we have control. So here's the question. How long will we pretend that people saying things like Obama and Clinton and Bush and Trump and then actually holding them to account? Do they do what they said? If so, is it better or worse? I'm going to give you one example to show you it really doesn't matter who's in power. They are all corrupt. Our society is corrupt. Our society is indifferent. We can give a lot of reasons why. Take the average person and see how much of the things in their life have been turned upside down in the last year and a few months. And you can understand why a lot of people say, I don't care what's going on out there. I can't pay my rent. My children don't have enough food to eat. You know, I'm, I'm, at, I'm at a desperate place in life. That's completely understandable. But before COVID, did you care? When you did have enough food to eat and you could come to a reasoned decision and you could vote on things and see was something actually done, did you care? It's very easy for people to virtue shame, and we have a whole society of celebrities who do nothing but that all day long. Twabble. We're going to have the whole group of doctors on the show today, board-certified, regular medical doctors, all from Canada, telling you how you've been played. The very thing I've been telling you every single day. You've been camed. You've been played. The Anthony Fauci of the world, the Bill Gates of the world, you've trusted them. That was your first mistake. You should have done a little homework and seen what was behind these people's motives. And if you doubt me, take a look at some of the headlines on some of the legitimate media sources. And you'll ask yourself, wow, I didn't know that. Oh, by the way, Moderna's top scientists, quote, we are actually hacking the software of life. That sounds like fun. What could possibly go wrong? Quote, Dr. Tal Zaks, the chief medical officer of Moderna, explained in 2017 TED Talk how the company's RNA vaccine was designed to work. Over the last 30 years, he said, quote, we've been living this phenomenal digital scientific revolution. And I'm here today to tell you that we are actually hacking the software of life. Hmm. Hacking the software of life. So you're hacking our DNA. Quote, in every cell, there's this thing called messenger RNA. And RNA, for short, that transmits the critical information from the DNA in our genes to the protein which is really the stuff we're all made out of. This is the critical information that determines what the cell will do. So we think about it as an operating system. So if you could change that, you could introduce a line of code or change a line of code. It turns out that has profound implications for everything from flu to cancer. Well, how about... <clears throat> 
what you could do and what's already being done, and I'm going to get to that in another upcoming progressive commentary hour, how they already are implementing now trials on humans to change their emotions by changing their thoughts, by controlling their brain and memory. So, Moderna, finally, we found this clip. Moderna's top scientist, Tal Zaks, Z-A-K-S, controlling everything in your body. And theirs is one of the vaccines you're all getting. What could possibly go wrong? Your thoughts. 888-874-4888. 888-874-4888. And now we're going to go over some of the items that are important. For example, people living with a patient undergoing an intensive weight loss treatment also benefit from this therapy. This has been demonstrated by a team of researchers from the Hospital Del Mar Medical Research Institute, along with doctors from hospital, uh, other hospitals, including Physiopathology of Obesity and Nutrition, in collaboration with uh, four other centers, and published in the International Journal of Obesity. So when a family member is working with someone who's on a Mediterranean diet, they themselves benefit because they lose weight and uh, they begin to eat healthier by example of what someone who is sick who's trying to get well is. And that's good. And that, that should be common sense. But it's good that they've proven this. So helping another person who is sick with a healthy regimen means it's giving you the opportunity to get wellness in, in addition. From Medical College of Georgia, CBD oil reduces plaque. Great for you because plaque can help cause the, uh, or it does cause, a stroke and a heart attack. It improves cognition for Alzheimer's. So if you have Alzheimer's or you want to keep your arteries clean, CBD oil does that. And this was published in the Journal of Alzheimer's Disease. Also, a study where vitamin D3, if you take it in the right amount, four or 5,000 units a day, it can help with the marrow stem cell proliferation, which helps prevent osteoporosis. Also from the Flanders Institute of Biotechnology in Belgium, published in the uh, Cancer Biology, they found that a high-fat diet changes your liver tissue. So normal, non-cancerous liver tissue can act like tumor tissue when exposed to the typical American diet, high in fats. And that can lead to cancer. So liver cancer is very common and very deadly because remember, it's your liver that does the metabolizing and detoxification, it does two things simultaneously. It does about 500 things every many second, but getting toxins out and getting nutrients in. So that's one of the reasons that you want to protect your liver. And finally, North Carolina State University found that when teenagers are out and about and playing in nature, outdoors running and biking and doing all the things that teenagers should do, it really improves their well-being instead of being locked up in this stupid pandemic. International Journal of Environmental Research and Public Health published that. But you already knew that. I knew it as common sense. We've seen it throughout history. Fresh air, chance to run, explore. That's what we have to do. Oh, and by the way, wow, what a surprise. 
quote, not a single case of flu detected by Public Health England this year as COVID restrictions suppress virus. What nonsense. No, you don't have a single case of flu there or in Canada or the United States because we've moved the statistics of flu over to COVID. It takes a special kind of, of denial to see the truth of that. But if it were true, listen to common sense, and this is part of uh, Occam's razor, if it were true that all flu were gone, and we know that the flu kills more people than COVID, then you wouldn't have any COVID cases because all the people who would have gotten flu will not also get COVID. But COVID went up. So how can COVID cases go up as flu cases go down, if you say the protection of the mask and washing your hands, the only two things they're claiming is the result, then you should have the same equally as they're both viruses and they're both COVID viruses. That's a special type of stupid over in England. God, there. Oh, well, but that's what it is. Oh, and by the way, just so you're not concerned, no safety data, not a problem. Quote, the United States, United Kingdom, Canada, Australia, Switzerland, and Singapore will let new variant vaccines onto the market without any safety or efficacy testing. And how many of those are there? About 200. So are they all connected? Most are connected to Anthony Fauci in some way, funding, etc. So is anyone going to bring out a vaccine and spend all the money to do it? If they don't have some guarantee of market share, it's all about market share. It has nothing to do with the virus. Uh, no, they'll just say all these variants, you need a different vaccine. So you could end up, what if, what if you had 15 variants in a year? Would you need 15 different vaccines? Must be, because none of this is based on science. I just want you to know what's coming your way. But that's what we're dealing with. And if you don't think the people behind wars and funding them, are more powerful than anyone else? This is from Common Dreams. Quote, new report to expose war industry lobby behind a $264 billion U.S. nuclear missile boondoggle. Progressive lawmakers are urging Biden to halt the missile program, arguing it will, quote, divert limited resources from higher priority needs. What, like maybe making more airplanes that we don't need or more battleships? It'll get spent. Biden will accept it. They've all been bought. That's the way it works. Good for Lulu being back in power. He can save Brazil from Bolsonaro and the American CIA behind Bolsonaro and American intelligence state put him in power and is kept him there. So all the charges against Lulu were overturned by the Brazilian Supreme Court. So Brazilian workers are struggling with economic hardship and uh, Lulu's return means there's finally some hope for change. I'll try to have Lulu on the show so he can discuss this on an upcoming program. Tomorrow I'll give you a list of the enormous amount of people dying who've taken the vaccines of all ages or have had serious side effects. But now we're going to take a break. And when we come back from the break, you're going to hear from a group a short video, but these are all regular, mainstream, board-certified doctors in Canada. 
Listen to what they have to say. They're putting their reputations on the line, but they had the courage to do so. Here we are. Virus. We now instinctively reach for a mask or look around to see how we can protect ourselves and our families. No place really seems safe. But as Canadian medical doctors, we're going to tell you what the best science now has to say. And we think you will be pleasantly surprised. On the TV, we hear cases, 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 which would frighten anyone. But cases are not necessarily symptomatic people. And the vast majority have few or really no symptoms of being sick. They just have a positive PCR swab test. Research now shows that the PCR test is practically worthless. Only 3% of patients with a positive test actually have the COVID virus. People have died. Yes, that's true. But using case numbers gives a false picture of what is really going on. Here's a graph showing the COVID cases reported each week in Canada. Even I get frightened looking at this graph. But now let's put the weekly deaths on the same chart. Where are all the deaths that we would expect to follow the cases curve? Something is really fishy here. Let's look at yearly deaths in Canada from 2001. It's pretty hard to show that we've even had a pandemic. The slight increase in 2020 was probably due to an aging population. But aren't hospital intensive care units overloaded with COVID patients? If we look at the Ontario intensive care unit data, there are fewer patients in the ICU in 2020 than in each of the previous three years. The CDC's own data compares COVID to seasonal flu. In children, COVID illness is so mild, their death rate is statistically zero. For people under 50, the infection survival rate is greater than 99.98%. And for those over 70, it is 94.6%. And that is without any early treatment whatsoever, like vitamin D or vitamin C. So if you're young, you really don't have anything to worry about. If you're older, well, we're going to give you some really great ideas on how to protect your health that do not include getting a shot with the vaccine. So back in April, we knew so little about COVID. Uh, and this led us to take a lot of extra precautions, in, including uh, adopting the idea that uh, healthy people can spread disease. This is known as asymptomatic spread. And that's a very scary thought. Now, however, over 10 million cases have been studied and evidence is rapidly emerging both from Wuhan and the University of Florida showing that asymptomatic and pre-symptomatic spread are negligible to non-existent. This is a game changer. This means that we can take our lives back and go back to the time-tested advice I've always given my patients when they have a virus. If you're sick, stay home and the rest of us can be free to live our lives. We have great news. Do you know that many of us are already immune to SARS-CoV-2 due to cross-reactive T-cells? A T-cell is just another immune cell that helps our body fight infection. At the beginning of the pandemic, SARS-CoV-2 was considered a novel coronavirus, meaning that none of us were immune to it and all of us were still at risk for infection. However, immunologists and virologists worldwide have studied and found that 30 to 50% of people already have pre-existing immunity to SARS-CoV-2 from pre-existing circulating T-cells. This pre-existing immunity is due to prior exposure from other coronaviruses, such as the common cold. So the problem is with testing for COVID immunity is most of the tests are serum antibody tests, but this doesn't look at our T cell response and antibody levels decline over time, but we still have our T cells to protect us. Many, many of us are more protected than we realize from COVID from our T cells. 
This is exciting news because we are closer to herd immunity than we realize. We have heard a lot about how children are COVID super spreaders. Terrified, we have shut down our schools, covered our children's beautiful faces with masks, and stopped them from playing with one another. Many teachers are too scared to even step foot into a classroom. But the science shows that none of this is warranted. If children do get COVID-19, they might not even show any symptoms. And if they do, they're usually mild and they're not the drivers of the pandemic. Epidemiological data shows that the disease follows a much milder course in children compared to adults. Since the pandemic began, only four people under the age of 19 have died with COVID in all of Canada. That's four out of eight million children and teenagers. By comparison, 10 children died of influenza in the 2018 to 2019 flu season. Influenza has killed more children annually than COVID-19. An overwhelming number of peer-reviewed studies now show children, especially those under the age of 10, are not a significant factor in the transmission of COVID. Studies in the UK, Australia, Switzerland, France, and Norway have shown that there is minimal child-to-child and child-to-adult transmission in schools. A study in The Lancet also showed that closing schools was never medically warranted. A German study of parents and their children showed that parents are way more likely to infect their children rather than the other way around. When we look at the large and growing body of scientific evidence, we can put the fear behind us and let our children be children again. They can go to school, play, be with their friends, and do the things they love. It's time we give our children their life and childhood back. I am not afraid of this coronavirus, and you do not need to be afraid either. We've evolved with these respiratory viruses over thousands and thousands of years, and we've developed a highly intelligent and very sophisticated immune system. We support and strengthen our immune system when we eat nutritious food, when we engage in physical activity, when we spend time in nature and feel supported by life. Vitamin D is a critical nutrient for our immune system. When we supplement with vitamin C, with zinc, with magnesium, our immune system is primed and ready to go. In spite of suboptimal diets and widespread vitamin D deficiencies, most people who encounter the coronavirus do not require hospitalizations, but are able to manage their symptoms at home. I myself had COVID-19 11 months ago, and I responded to the early viral symptoms the way I always do. I took vitamin D, 60,000 international units each day until the symptoms were gone. It took two days. The fact that I am here talking to you is proof that our bodies know what to do. I have more than 40 years experience practicing medicine here in Canada, and at least 30 of those have been as a specialty anesthesiologist with the FRCPC. Anesthesiologists are well accepted as clinical pharmacologists by other physicians because we know the risk-benefit ratio about drugs. In addition, safe and long-experienced use of older drugs can be very useful 
in combating a new problem, such as COVID. With this in mind and reviewing the literature, I treat my patients with early COVID-19 with quercetin, zinc, vitamin C, vitamin D. If you're able to get a prescription, hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin. In addition, I have used ivermectin for post-COVID symptoms with some success. If needed, oxygen supplementation with nasal specs, often based on what your personal oximeter, which I recommend, says for you. In all of the patients that I have treated, this regimen has worked for them and they have not needed hospitalization. I myself had COVID-19 in November last year. Taking these agents, as I've listed, was incredibly helpful for me, and I recovered within seven to 10 days. In summary, I would like to have you let go of the fear. It does not serve us. There are many things that we can do for ourselves, and then we've got the hospital as backup. Keep in mind, these are all board-certified physicians, and they're telling you their experience. That gentleman you just heard of practicing medicine for 40 years with two specialties, he, they're all saying the same thing. The very things that we've been telling you from day one, wrote four articles on this, did a whole broadcast on it. Vitamin D, uh, if you're at risk, 10 to 20,000 units a day. Uh, otherwise, it could be around 5,000 units a day. Vitamin C, two to 4,000 milligrams a day. Zinc, 50 milligrams elemental a day. Magnesium, 500 to 1,000 milligrams a day. Uh, selenium, 200 micrograms a day. And for upper respiratory tract uh, protection, uh, astragalus, 200 milligrams. And then if you're really at risk, if you have some comorbidity, then ivermectin uh, pro prophylactically a day. Or if you should get it, the first signs, Ivermectin uh, is one of the best things you can take and is very safe. On the other hand, did you hear about the one nurse dead and another one injured in Austria suspending AstraZeneca COVID vaccine inoculations? And that was a 49-year-old nurse who died, quote, as a result of severe coagulation disorders, blood clots, hmm, pulmonary embolism, and a 35-year-old also nurse on their second vaccine. That's just one example, but there are many. For example, this is, quote, the number of women who have lost babies as a result of COVID vaccine doubles in just seven days. The MHRA data shows that's in the national. Uh, it says, quote, it saddens us to have to report that as a result of receiving a dose of either the Pfizer um, mRNA vaccine or the Oxford AstraZeneca a viral vector vaccine, a total of 20 women have now had to suffer the grief of having a miscarriage and losing their unborn child. You don't see that in the American media. Why not? Because we have a war on free speech. And we have laws that are being implemented to protect and undermine the First Amendment. No, to lessen the First Amendment, yes. And uh, so we just have to pay attention to all this. I promise I'd take some calls. Let's say hello to Will from Astoria. Hi, Will. Your turn. Well, hi, Gary. Um, I agree with the uh, pandemic fraud that's uh, so prevalent within uh, healthcare, criminal justice, environment, food, energy policy. Do you think that by uh, 
focusing in on reopening 9-11 with uh, all the work of the 9-11 committee and uh, uh, Christopher Boland, that that would crystallize um, uh, the, the problem that exists? No. Um, it's a good question, though, and, and I'm glad that you thought that way, because what you're suggesting is with a methodical over 1,400 that I last counted, it could be over 2,000 now, architects and engineers agreeing and signing on to a special in-depth report where they did all these analysis and tests showing that the buildings could not have come down due to the airplane uh, hitting them, especially Building 7, um, that the official report was a lie. It was a fraud. It was like the uh, Warren Commission on Robert F., uh, John F. Kennedy's assassination or subsequent investigations like the L.A., totally corrupt L.A. Police Department's investigation of Robert F. Kennedy's uh, death, uh, or for that matter, um, uh, Martin Luther King's death. We've explored those in death on the show. So those people who know the truth and share it, it doesn't mean that they are accepted. If it took one single publication, just one, to acknowledge that any official investigation was in error, wrong, that would open up an entire can of worms. But here's a question back for you, Will. Uh, which, which, which journalist in the last 50 years has acknowledged that any official investigation, and I'll just make it simple, the investigations into 9-11, JFK, RFK, Martin Luther King, and Malcolm X assassinations, those five everybody knows something about. How many journalists have exposed the corruption on any one of those? How about zero? Now, what no, does it say when, when the entire media can't find any flaws, and yet tens of thousands of researchers, scholars, historians, architects, engineers, investigators have found huge loopholes, all kinds of contradictions, uh, Robert Morningstar is just one of those citizen activists who spent his whole adult life uncovering the truth about uh, Rob, uh, John F. Kennedy's assassination. So if you don't have a single person having a single story that challenges a single official story, do you think anyone's going to challenge Fauci or Bill Gates or the corruption going on now with a non-pandemic pandemic? No. No, no, no. The only thing that's going, in my opinion, the only thing that's going to draw our attention is if enough people die or are injured that they cannot say that it is not associated with the vaccine. Because the first thing they're going to say is not the vaccine that's causing the problems. But when you have enough people doing that, and just like those doctors, those doctors have never gotten together, don't know each other from Canada, and would never have spoken out. But they see that everything you're being told about COVID is a lie. Outside that it's a virus, that's true, and that it can kill people, that's true. Everything else is a lie. Mortality rates, because of what you didn't see, unless you were looking at PRN.FM, where we actually, when we play a video, we have it there for you to see, you would have seen a chart with these spikes going way up. And that's what he said, you know, this even scares me. But then you see the death rate, and it's just flat as a pancake, right, right across. So there was no increase in deaths. Well... If you're saying it's a deadly virus, then you would have had to say, when we have these huge spikes in people who are actively uh, infected, then you should have death rates increase. And when you don't have that, and it's true all over the world, then you realize 
you've been played. Okay. Well, how do we deal with the, the fraud in journalism as well? Then? Uh, you, you start to call out the journalist. Show specifically, don't attack them personally. It's not personal. It's, it is a group. It is a cabal being in, inspired or in some way influenced or self-influencing to go lead a story with an ideological perspective rather than an information data perspective. So call them out by showing politely so. Call them out and say, you said this. I have evidence that this is the actual case. Are you willing to examine this evidence? Just like I did with Tucker Carlson. Last week, I asked people to send Tucker a program I did showing that his information was completely wrong on one topic, totally wrong. But then I also sent another one on global warming. I sent him four documentaries I've produced on global warming. I sent him, uh, I sent him uh, 16 articles, scholarly articles I've written on the environment showing that it's humans that are making these, uh, uh, these temperature fluctuations um, increase. And I simply said, uh, knowing that you have an open mind, I hope that you will review this and, and recalibrate your own thoughts. Now, maybe he will, maybe he won't. But you keep sending someone the truth and you send it without hurt, attacking them, they're more likely to look at what you're doing. Yep. Okay? All right. Thank you, Will. I appreciate your call. And before I go back to our next uh, clip, I want to say hello to E from Edgewater. E, your turn. Hello, Gary. Thank you for all, all, your whole life dedicating to help people, to, to educate them to be healthy. Thank you for all your, all your great work that you have done. I appreciate uh, your kind I, thoughts. I think, I think we're headed for the same fate as the Syrians, Yemens, and Libyans. We're going to all end up in, in uh, internment camps, FEMA camps. At the rate that things are going, it's such a disgrace. I, I, I'm embarrassed to call myself an, a human being. I'd rather live with the raccoons in my backyard. They're smarter than the people that we have on this planet right now. The only Capital difference between the, the the only difference between the people uh, in Washington and corporate America and the raccoons in your backyard, the humans don't get rabies the way back raccoons do. Otherwise, you're right in your assessment. But don't despair. Don't give up. You see, that's what you, we, we, there's a tendency to do. I may point out something that's wrong, but I can promise you for every wrong I point out, and I, I, don't, I don't sugarcoat anything, as anyone has heard me, go back and listen to some of my lectures from 30, 40, 50 years ago. I'm still on the same principled ideas. Be honest about the problem, or you cannot be honest about the solution. The solutions are turn off their media. Start going to all the independent media. Off, we're we're no longer on Facebook. That was our. I had seven point five million people daily following me on Facebook. I say goodbye to all of it. I, I I've never twittered. I don't have a Twitter account. I, you know, if people want to say anything they want on Twitter. I'm not going to respond to it. I've got way too much on my plate. Doing five documentaries, nine books, seventeen investigative reporting articles. I'm working on right now, researching and writing all these broadcasts, counseling people. Why in the world would I take that time that can save lives and inspire different thoughts and turn around and just, you know, throw 
verbal uh, challenges at people all day long, and that's what some people tend to do. Get off their media. Start looking at Good uh, Reason magazine. Um, and if you want to know the truth about what the Americans are doing around the world, then read Covert Action Quarterly. Go to the sources like Gerald's uh, Gerald, uh, publication, The Trends Journal. And Gerald is quite simply one of the most brilliant, insightful uh, viewers of the future. And he's not a soothsayer. He's not a psyche. He's simply looking at trends and realizing where we're headed. <clears throat> and look at Trends Journal, Gerald Solante. So go to what is positive. I believe that instead of internment camps, I don't see internment camps coming. <clears throat> I believe instead that there will be extreme punishment by law in the near future, restricting our freedom of speech, where any speech that challenges COVID will be considered a hate crime and therefore you'll be punished. Uh, I think that's important that people understand what's happening and what will likely happen. All right, so just uh, don't despair. Start looking for the best that's out there and align with it because we have a chance to do something and push back. You know, and we will. We will. All right? We will have a better world because of what breaks and fails and is so apparent that nobody can cover it up anymore. You know, it's an interesting thing. The, the, there was a study done at a university in Sydney, McQueen University, and they asked people involved in end-of-life uh, treatments, people who were in hospice care, hospitals. What do people say at the end of their life? With the very last gasp of breath, and there are five things people say before they die. I wished I had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. I wished I hadn't worked so hard. I wished I had the courage to express my feelings. I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. I wished I had let myself be happier. Those are the five things. So think about right now when you're not dying of any uh, disease, but rather you still have a chance to stop, examine where you're at in your life, and realize that everything in life is a series of passages, some wonderful, some terrible. But we are, we are on these trips so we can grow. And adversity causes us to grow. Challenges causes us to grow. It's like someone says, don't you ever get angry when every, you know, all these people, the quacks and the busters and the Wikipedia tyrants are all attacking you all the time. I said, no. No, because... I would only be concerned if it was the truth, but it's not. So don't concern yourself at the emotional level of something that's not the truth. And remember, people try to hurt one another by using lies and use weaponizing words. So look at what is important in your life. Are you living the life you were meant to live? Are you authentic to that life? Have you worked too hard? Is your work causing an imbalance in your relationships with your family and friends and yourself? Have you expressed in an honest and open way your feelings? People can accept or reject them, but you shouldn't just say, I don't have feelings. Everyone has feelings. And have you stayed in touch with the people who are important to you? 
If a person's a friend of mine, I've got their back. I'm going to do all I can not to see them fail. Because people make mistakes in life. And it's important you have some support system there not to challenge you in a negative way, but to support you in a positive way. And also let yourself be happy. Don't get caught up in the cancel culture or using the right word or right pronoun. That's all foolish. Right? We need to, we need to keep perspective. I think that's very important. Okay? Thanks a lot for your call. I appreciate it. I'm not going to take any more today because I've, I've run out of time. I can't get everything squeezed in. Oh, and by the way, right now in Australia, which has become a, a – Australia is a really interesting example of extreme fascism. Uh, they're now putting into practice laws that any professional, nurse, doctor, uh, pharmacist, who questions anything about COVID can be held criminally accountable. That means they could put you in jail for having a thought in Australia. Whoa. So think about that for places you wouldn't want to live because of how limited your freedoms would be. Wanna, uh, I've got one person on the line right now. Uh, is I was just told, and this is a person who had attended one of our retreats. And I'd mentioned uh, some time ago, if you've had good experiences, let us know because we're doing one as a fundraiser for our sister station, WBAI, to help purchase premiums so the station will not be burdened with a, a limited budget and so we can purchase thousands of premiums for them and get them right out, not just for my show but for all the other producer shows as well. Hi, what's your name, please? Hi, this is Marcia McBroom. Hi, Marcia. Tell Hi. us about your experience, please. Well, Gary, I'm so excited to be able to share my incredible experience with you and the other members of the retreat. For one, it was like uh, you have a bit of paradise here on Earth. The retreat was in Texas, and it was so wonderful to be in nature, to have divine vegan meals. And mind you, I'm not a vegetarian yet. But we had the most divine food, and it was so beautifully presented. And I loved our power walks that we had every morning and the exercises in the pool. And um, it was just such a spiritually lifting experience. I will never, ever forget as long as I live. And I do recommend it to everyone and anyone who wants to uh, renew oneself to be inspired, uplifted, and uh, transformed, actually. Because I went on your retreat because I was diagnosed with a brain tumor, and my doctor said that he could not operate on it. But um, I concentrated on that and took your regiment, your protocol, and then when I got my next MRI, they didn't see the tumor anymore. So that was like, oh, my God. And I even met you when you were speaking um, in New York City, and I just embraced you. This was pre-COVID. To thank you for just helping me um, regain a new confidence in life. And as you said, to appreciate. So many times we don't really appreciate what we have in our lives. And your retreat really helped refocus. And I loved your 
your edict that we were not allowed to talk when we were eating so that we could really, really enjoy the food and really savor each and every um, taste. Oh, it was fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. And I love the animals, too. It's really, your retreat is really like um, being in a sanctuary. It was with the animals and the birds. It was just beautiful. Did the oncologist have anything to say about the fact that you no longer had? <laughs> oh, it's no longer there. You had a, you know, you had a serious brain tumor. What is a glioblastoma, astrocytoma? What was it? No, no, it was, um, it was, um, oh God, schwannoma. It was a schwannoma, okay. but the pro- the problem with a schwannoma is that it can grow to a point where it can be, you know, fatal. But, um. It was just so wonderful to see that it was gone. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Well, in my world, that's not unusual uh, because mm-hmm. I only start working when people are terminal, when medicine has done all it can, and hopefully medicine has helped. But if it hasn't, then I'll I'll see what I can do. Well, it's nice to hear from you, and I'm glad that you're staying healthy and you had a good experience and you're sharing that with our audience. All the yes, best to you. Yes, and as I as I said, I really highly recommend your retreat to anyone who wants to just re-examine life and um, get um, within oneself to um, be re- refurbished and replenished. And uh, we we were surrounded by such a beautiful group of people, too. It was just really, really splendid, splendid. Well, we, we have the, the crew coming back like the... Um, the the sting with you know Robert Redford and Paul Newman they got their group together. <laughs> well, we, we we have a group. You know, someone gives a wink and suddenly there are thirty people showing up from all. You know, Doctor Steve from California and Barbara uh, Duncan and um, of course Luann who is the catalyst for all this. So uh, it's just a one wonderful time and I enjoy myself too. I just love. I love the chance because we people may not realize this because how serious this show can be, but it's a lot of laughter and a lot of fun. Yes, uh, exactly. And I was in Beyond the Valley of the Dolls and Jesus Christ Superstar, so I know all about teamwork. And it was like being on a movie set, <laughs> being at your retreat, and, and you're, oh, my God. Just everything was so beautiful. And I even had the um, the red light treatments and massage. Um, oh, it was just wonderful, Gary. Yoga, it was fabulous. <laughs> Good. Thank you for calling in. Thank you. Okay, if, if you would like to be there and soak up some really positive energy, recalibrate, rebalance, re- rejuvenate, relax, you can. You can do as little or much as you want. We have a wonderful staff. Connie, helping in the kitchen. Claire, coming in from Detroit. She owns the largest health food store in Detroit. She's a big advocate for health. She's helped thousands of people get healthier. Uh, she's coming in. Oh, we have the whole crew's coming in, so we're looking forward to it. And by the way, some of this crew's been uh, working with me for the last 30 years, 35 years, doing these retreats to help. Give a call to Luann. Her number is 903-881-7008, 903 903- Eight eight one seven zero zero eight. And now let's hear from Edward Snowden, being interviewed by John Stossel, and a clip that tells us about why you should be very concerned about the internet 
and all the different ways that they're capturing your private data. Over the last 16 months, as I've debated this issue around the world, every single time somebody has said to me, I don't really worry about invasions of privacy because I don't have anything to hide. I always say the same thing to them. I get out a pen, I write down my email address, I say, here's my email address. What I want you to do when you get home is email me the passwords to all of your email accounts. Not just the nice, respectable work one in your name, but all of them. Because I want to be able to just troll through what it is you're doing online, read what I want to read, and publish whatever I find interesting. After all, if you're not a bad person, if you're doing nothing wrong, you should have nothing to hide. Not a single person has taken me up on that offer. I love my digital devices, but people keep telling me I should worry more about my privacy. I should encrypt my emails, use apps like Signal and DuckDuckGo that don't collect my personal information. But if I do that, I'd lose some good things. I like it that web companies know me and direct me to things I'm interested in. I even like it that they know where I am so they can show me things like restaurants near me. So privacy? I ask Edward Snowden, why should we worry? The reason that you say you don't care about this is, and I say this without any offense uh, intended whatsoever, is because you do not understand the way that that system is being used against you. Snowden is in exile in Russia because he revealed how our government spied on us. Now he says we should care more about what companies like Google and Facebook know. But why should I care? I figure the teenage boy across the street could be picking up <laughs> the stuff I sent. The cork's out of the bottle. What difference does it make? It's profiling you. When you see a banner ad, they're trying to shape your behavior to sell you a new pair of shoes. Uh, but they can also control what you see, and in enough time, what you believe. I don't feel threatened. You make a good case why I should. <laughs> I'm not scared of Amazon or Facebook, because yes, they want to manipulate me. Yet, but... you're not scared of them yet. But basically, they want my money, and to get my money in a free market, a company has to give me what I want, and that's a good thing. When we talk about the free market operating, we are presuming that there is open competition or that it's even possible to launch a competitor to these things. And I, I don't believe this is true. I'm not so sure. After all, experts once declared that IBM, AOL, and MySpace were so big they were monopolies, immune to competition. That turned out wrong. I'm more nervous about that manipulation. There's entire teams of engineers whose job is to use your psychology against you. A new documentary supports Snowden's claim that social media company algorithms mean we have less control over who we are and what we really believe. Facebook, they ran their own psychological studies on, you know, the, the current population to see if they could make you angry. So that's why I believe that the future is private. <laughs> I know that we don't exactly have the the strongest reputation on privacy right now, to put it lightly. They intentionally wanted to manipulate their users. And they succeeded. Facebook discovered that they were able to affect real-world behavior and emotions without ever triggering the user's awareness. This is controlling human behavior by a private company. For what end? Just to see if they could. The next variants are not going to be just to see if they could. 
It is going to be for their advantage. It is going to be to shape laws. It is going to be to shape elections. If you want to control the population of your country, there has never been a tool as effective as Facebook. So why don't more people fear this? They haven't seen a neighbor get marched off on the street, uh, as happened in like World War II, a kind of Nazi uprising context. When the Nazis came to power, they had lists of Jews with bloodlines going back generations. How did they get that information? Data sets that were uh, constructed for like a census uh, and then it's abused and applied to a different purpose. You don't see how these things are going to be applied later. But companies like Facebook and Google promise to protect our privacy and say they don't just give information to the government. People have legitimate concerns. But America's former NSA deputy director points out. The companies, um, you know, we compel them to provide information. The FBI uses secret subpoenas to grab our data. If Google's got it and Facebook has it, why is it so much worse that our government has it? Well, the difference is uh, Google can sell you a different pair of shoes on the basis of what it knows about you, right? The ads that it places on the side of your bar. Um, but they can't put you in jail. They can't bomb you, right? Uh, the government can, and for a lot of people, the government does. When asked about our lack of privacy on the internet, Eric Schmidt, Google's former CEO, gave this creepy answer. If you have something that you don't want anyone to know, maybe you shouldn't be doing it in the first place. The problem that I have with this... I like Snowden's response. ...is that we should have to constrain our intellectual curiosity and even, frankly, our weirdnesses because we could potentially someday be judged on the basis for it, even if we had done nothing wrong, even if it wasn't strange, because the definition of what is wrong is constantly changing. We may say we feel free living within the boundaries of what's legal. But laws change, social mores change, the norms shift. Who decides what is normal, what's acceptable, and what's not? In a free society, we are allowed to be different. And once we are entered into this system where everything we've ever done, everything we were ever interested in, everything we've ever bought, everywhere we've ever gone, everywhere that we have or anyone that we have ever talked to is instantly captured the moment it happens and memorialized in some database somewhere just waiting to be used, uh, it will be used. Maybe I should rethink how I use my phone because Snowden points out that what I say here is not secure. Your phone tries to reach this other person uh, wherever they are in the world, it has to go through the Starbucks that you're sitting at, through their internet service provider, through a data center, any one of these points, anybody sitting on that line can snatch a copy of the conversation. But we can stop that by encrypting our data. WhatsApp won customers promising that. But then Facebook bought WhatsApp and after that announced it'll share WhatsApp data. WhatsApp customers did not like that. It is being called the largest digital migration in history. Millions fled to more private services. Apps like Signal and Telegram exploding in popularity. Fewer and fewer people use plain voice. Fewer and fewer people use plain SMS. Now they're using encrypted messengers like the Signal Messenger, which is intentionally designed to limit precisely the kind of mass surveillance that was being discussed in 2013. And the encryption works? Uh, encryption does work because an encrypted message cannot be unlocked without a mathematical key. We cannot break 
strong encryption. That defeats mass surveillance. And prevents companies from learning so much about us. We're entering increasingly a quantified world where everywhere you go, everything you do, everyone you interact with, uh, and everything you're interested in, it is being collected and recorded and analyzed and assessed. And we don't know how that is being applied yet. Have a nice day, everyone.